Welcome to the Serpent Soul Podcast, where we explore our identity before God and our relationship with God. I'm your host, Kenneth Grady, and I pray that we will be fed by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and living with passion for the will of God. And in so doing, may we raise each other up as we lay ourselves down before the Lord. This is the Servant Soul Podcast. So I want to start off today by thanking my friend Daniel. Um, We were talking uh, about a week ago about some things he was going through, and he gave me this idea for today's episode. And the idea was that of submission to God or to man, and some things had, had fallen through. You know, there's just a lot to think about, you know, in regards to submitting to God's plan versus how much action do I take uh, to take care of this. And also, I will take a few minutes later on to look at this pressure point, the age-old, you know, woman versus the man, um, because I do think it's important to understand submission in that context as well. But I don't think it's that big of a deal, really, when we have a right mind towards God, to have a right mind towards each other. And before I get into the rest of the episode, I do want to take a quick note on when not to submit. Because the Bible makes it very clear, while we are to have a heart of submission to each other and to leadership and authority, uh, that never extends, of course, to the point of doing something contrary to the Word of God. I think that goes without saying for most of us, but I didn't want to get through this as if it's an episode just about how we're all supposed to you know, go along with anything and everything, because that's certainly not the case. We are to stand firmly on the foundation of God's Word. But to start out with this conversation, I wanted to look at what submission looks like in the Bible. And the first example of two we're going to look at is Jesus in the garden, uh, the night before he was crucified. And of course, an example here between Jesus being in submission to God the Father. And the second one we're going to look at is also, of course, submission to God ultimately, but submission to man as well. In Matthew 26, verses 38 through 39, Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. So here's Christ submitting to God the Father. And the highest king was not offended by the thought of submission. So that should give us a clue about whether or not we should have a problem with that, right? God's will was more important than the feelings and the experience that Jesus was in at that moment. And this is a beautiful aspect of submission because it is a willingness to deny self in the present which allows access to something in the future that is greater than the immediate relief from discomfort. The, the next passage here between David and Saul is just a tremendous story in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 24. Uh, I'm going to look at verses 1 through 10, which say, And it came to pass, when Saul was returned from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of En Gedi. Then Saul took three thousand chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheepcoats by the way, 
where was a cave, and Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day of which the Lord said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily, and it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed. Stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words, and suffered them not to rise against Saul. But Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. David also arose afterward and went out of the cave and cried after Saul, saying, My lord and king, and when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt? Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord had delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave, and some bade me kill thee. But mine eye spared thee, and I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. So this passage just moves me for several reasons, first of which is the humility and tenderness of David's heart. Now, he knew he was going to be king. He had the opportunity to step into that promise. He had the support of his friends telling him this was God's promise being fulfilled. He was being hunted, and this would have been justifiably an act of self-defense. There were no social consequences for David to act out and kill Saul in this moment. But his heart smote him because he was submitted to God. And as such, he was earnestly submitted to the king God had ordained. So often we only submit when we are in good standing with those who give authority to. But as soon as that authority is opposed to what we want, we feel entitled to cast off the yoke of submission and find another way. And most of our loved ones will tell us that we're right to take control of the situation, you know, if it isn't in our best interest. But true submission to God, as David had, requires trust that God will honor his promises without needing us to find a better way. David submitted to Saul because he understood that Saul was in a position of authority for a reason. And there is a reason why there are difficult people in leadership over our lives as well. And while there are times when action may be necessary, most of the time, I believe God is trying to teach us to trust him more than he's trying to teach us to stand up for ourselves. So why submit? And a couple reasons I jotted down was, First of all, it's out of our hands. There are some things that we just can't control, and no amount of planning or scheming will give you any more power over that situation. And that's a time when we just need to submit to God. And another is when there's authority in place that isn't contrary to the Word of God. Now, there's a lot of authority we might not like, might not agree with, but if it isn't contrary to the Word of God, The Bible tells us to submit. Some authority is just good common sense. It's there to protect us. It's there to maintain order and prevent injury. And another reason is because God has a plan. Whatever authority that God has put in our life is there for a reason, just like Saul was there for a reason. And we may not like the situation, but going through hardship is not against the character of God. Just because what we're walking through may feel bad, doesn't mean that God isn't using it to produce good fruit in our lives. And we must submit 
ourselves to God's will, whether he's leading us through a positive experience or a negative one. So in submitting to God, I want to move from hypothetical to, you know, how do we submit to God? And first off is obeying his word. Every form of submission is going to be unnatural and unpleasant if we don't first submit to God's word. Until we realize that this life isn't about putting me first and accepting that as God's will for our life, submission to anyone or any authority is often perceived to be something oppressive. So first and foremost, we need to focus on our submission to God's word. Is obedience a big deal for me or is it optional in some areas? Because if it's optional, then I have a submission problem, right? It shows me that I haven't yet given full authority to God over how I live. If I can't even submit to the word of God, then hold on tight, right? Because I can guarantee you I'm going to be bucking at the authority of man and the authority that God has built into the relationships that I have with other people. And another way that we have to learn to submit to God is accepting difficulty. I mean, why are we so quick to think God needs us to act when things are hard? Does God need us so desperately when things are good? We tend to fail to let God have dominion over our lives when we are experiencing something unpleasant. Just as Jesus accepted the cross, there are things that God will place in our lives that we need to accept, whether it's pleasant or not, because he has a bigger picture in mind than we can fathom. And so when we fail to submit to a challenge God walks us through, we are telling God that we have a better idea, a shortcut, a solution that is better than his intentions. And that's not where we want to be. Lastly, is this idea of submitting to man and how we do that. And first off is that we need to learn to respect imperfect leadership. We've all got to do it. There is no perfect leadership. Get over it. If we are going to honor any human in life, it's going to be an imperfect one. Their failures do not excuse you from the responsibility to honor God or the position he has placed this imperfect person in. So whether that's a boss or a parent, a spouse, a politician, an officer, a teacher, whatever, we are to submit to those who God has placed in leadership in our lives. Our self-satisfying rebellion is not going to cause the other person to grow, but it is going to keep us from growing. Standing up for yourself will likely win you the applause of the world for being brave. But it doesn't really take strong character to seek your own interests, does it? And another area of submitting to man is in seeking wise counsel. Because what good does it do to have people in your life who are wise and willing to give advice if we're never going to listen to it? So many of us consult with trusted leaders or teachers when we hit a difficult situation, but then what? If we don't like what they say, what do we do? We just ask someone else until we hear what we want to hear. And then we rearrange our best friends list to put those who like our ideas at the top. And we need to have some loved ones in our life that we can trust to speak the hard truths we need to hear whether we like it or not, right? And then it's important to be in submission to them and earnestly consider the insights they bring into our lives. I'm not saying we should just be yes men to the thoughts of another, but if our first response to the concern of a friend is defensiveness or dismissiveness, then we've got some work to do on our submission and humility. And last but not least, in marriage, I'm going to go ahead and step into this steaming hot pile of social poodoo 
and talk about submission in marriage. So ladies, it's time to get out the blood pressure medication. And I'm joking, but um, in Ephesians 5 verses 20 through 33, I want to read this passage at length because so many times you get one little snippet of it and it's understanding how easy this stuff is to take out of context. But it is important to see it in context because there's truth here that while it may be difficult to practice in our lives, it's, it's in God's word and we need to be honest about what it says. So it says in Ephesians 5, 20 through 33, giving thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. Just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So I want to draw your attention back to the start where it says, Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submission should be flowing out of all of us freely and frequently, and it isn't something just for some and not for others. However, the Bible does in fact teach that the wife is to submit to her husband, and within the bounds of marriage it is the man who is called to lead and to love as Christ, and the wife to honor and submit to that leadership. And respect isn't that much to ask for when a husband is gushing out love on his wife the way that Christ was loving the church. It isn't so bad then, is it? When a husband is caring for every need, healing every hurt, speaking in the truth, leading with grace and tenderness. The reason that submission is so offensive is because we, as both men and women, fail to act out of a proper submission to God. If husbands are walking in submission to God, and wives are walking in submission to their husbands, then everyone is heading to the same place anyway. Everyone is walking towards God. The problem is when husbands and wives are no longer submitting to God. And this comes back to the same issue that we don't mind submission when things are good. But what if your husband isn't very godly? What if your wife is mean and thinks you're a joke? Well, then we start to look for an out from the commandments of God, don't we? But does the obedience of others negate our responsibility to obey God ourselves? So your boss is a jerk. Your spouse is a disappointment, your parents are difficult, politicians are liars, and God's commandments seem unfair. Does that mean we don't submit? Does the brokenness of this world make the word of God any less true? I mean, whether we are a husband or a wife, we all have leadership to which God calls us to submit. We have different roles to play, but we are both to be aiming towards the same target, and that is submission to God. None of us have to like it. But it's still there in the scripture. If we can't submit to God, 
and we will forever find justification for why submitting to those God has put over us is nonsense. In Ephesians 5, 1-2, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God, as beloved children, and walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Amen. Thanks for listening. And until next time, may we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen.